3, Redistricting and Housing Discrimination. Dr. Charles Bullock is a living legend at UGA. He first began his career here in 1968 and in the time since has established himself as an expert in legislative politics as well as elections and electoral systems and is the state's preeminent scholar on Southern politics. On this episode, Dr. Bullock will discuss two topics he's quite passionate about in his research for many years, housing discrimination and the history of redistricting. I'm Shelby Stewart, and this is a SPIA spinoff. Part 1, Housing Discrimination. African-American and Latino civil rights complaints, comparing volume and outcomes. So what we're looking at here is the frequency with which African-Americans and Latinos file complaints arguing that they have been discriminated against in trying to buy or rent a, ho- a home. And as one might anticipate, there's a higher rate of complaints for African Americans and Latinos, but it looks like that maybe uh, the complaints from Latinos are more likely to result in a, a positive outcome. You know, something good happens as a result of it. Now, some of them clearly get dismissed, you know, they're, you know, they're <laughs> for whatever reason, but some of them do result in, you know, getting you know, the house you or, or apartment you wanted or getting monetary damages mm-hmm. and it looks like maybe Latinos uh, fare somewhat better than this um, so yeah it's kind of kind of an interesting thing that nobody else has looked at before I mean most of the research on civil rights has looked at either education school desegregation which has gotten a lot of research over the years or voting rights now, housing has a history in terms of federal law about as far back. I mean, the first housing law was passed in 1968, open housing law, fair housing. And one can certainly make the argument that uh, if we had fewer problems with housing discrimination, then there might be fewer problems with the school separation. <laughs> you know, yeah, you tend to send your kids to a school which is pretty close to where you live. And so uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, this whole area of housing discrimination has not got nearly the attention that some of the other kinds of discrimination have. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, the the voting rights thing kind of takes precedence probably because of the notion which both Lyndon Johnson as well as Martin Luther King articulated 40, 50, year, 50 years ago, I guess now. And that is that if you have access to the ballot, then you can take care of a lot of other problems by using your vote reward or punish decision makers. So, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Schools, uh, you know, the various things you could point to, you know, what's, when does the civil rights revolution begin, what sets it off, but certainly one of the things you could point to would be Brown versus Board of Education. You know? So, yeah, that was the first major thing, and then you had all kinds of other things coming from that, so challenges to access to, to public accommodations, uh, access to you know, use of, of parks. There used to be even uh, swim-ins at swimming pools and stuff like this, because you know, essentially 50-plus years ago, at least in the South, virtually every facility was, was segregated. And um, you know, the first one the courts really take a big stand against was, was in education. Again, you can argue, okay, so if your kid gets a good education, then that child has better life chances. Uh, and I assume that's probably one of the reasons it's gotten a lot more attention than, say, than housing. Mm-hmm. Part 2, the history of redistricting. 
Georgia has played an oversized role with regard to developing the law on redistricting. That uh, a number of the leading cases have come out of out of Georgia. Oh, uh, it goes back, you know, 50, 56 years ago, prior to nineteen sixty-two. Georgia operated under a system much, well, somewhat analogous to the Electoral College. It didn't matter how many votes you got. What was important was how many counties you won. Uh, that's one of the first things that happens in 1962 is the federal courts say, you can't use that anymore. All right, so, so coming out of that, uh, along in the early 1970s, it's a Georgia case which establishes that redistricting is something which is covered by the 1965 Voting Rights Act. The state of Georgia argued it wasn't, that, you know, that that act was dealing just with things like registering and voting not with drawing, drawing district lines. Well, the Supreme Court said it takes a pretty broad view of the 65 Voting Rights Act. And in 73 says, yeah, it also applies to redistricting. Uh, 20 years later, Georgia is at the forefront of kind of the Max Black effort. Okay. Early 1990s, the Justice Department uh, Interpret Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And Section 2 was amended in 1982. So the 1990s is the first time it's really in place for redistricting. And under the Justice Department interpretation of the Voting Rights Act, well, a jurisdiction had an obligation to create majority-minority districts if it could. Thus, max black, i.e. maximizing the number of black districts. So Georgia, North Carolina, um, other states kind of get caught up in this, Louisiana. And so they draw some very strange-looking districts because they're trying to stitch together black populations in faraway places. So in Georgia, the Department of Justice rejects Georgia's redistricting plans a couple of times until finally the state says, okay, fine, we'll do this. And they draw a district which starts in South DeKalb County, Metro Atlanta, Goes to Augusta, and it runs along the river down to Savannah to pick up the black population in Savannah. Okay. Well, the first challenge of these strange-looking districts actually comes out of North Carolina. The, uh, <clears throat> but in that case, the uh, the justices don't give a real clear standard. You know, the discussion in that decision is about, well, that it's the I-85 district, and it ran along I-85 from uh, Charlotte all the way up to Durham. And that decision says, well, these are strange-looking and, you know, don't look good. Justice O'Connor, who writes the majority opinion, says it reminds her of apartheid in South Africa. But out of the Georgia case, Miller v. Johnson, where the court really gives you some, some better guidance in terms of what's acceptable, and in that case, uh, the court said that, yeah, you've got to give some consideration to race, but if your consideration of race dominates everything else, it's the predominant consideration, then you got a problem. That you are essentially segregating people based upon race. Go back, Brown v. Board, yeah, you can't mm -hmm. segregate kids based on race until the Supreme Court essentially says you can't segregate voters based upon kind of, well, if this is a black precinct, we put it in this district, white precinct, we put it in an adjoining district. So, again, another instance in which Georgia plays a fairly significant role in helping define what redistricting law is. So anyway, what this article does is it, it looks at you know, the redistricting 
Georgia, beginning with early 1960s and comes down through the, the, the 20 most recent redistricting the one was done in 2011, and looking at um, congressional districts but also state legislative districts. And how these kinds of actions contributed not just to the growth in the number of African-American legislators, but also uh, helped with the growth of the, growth of the Republican Party. Two fascinating topics. Dr. Charles S. Bullock III holds the Richard B. Russell Chair in Political Science and is a Josiah Meeks Distinguished Teaching Professor and University Professor at UGA. If you are a former or current student of Dr. Bullock's, please consider coming to his 50th anniversary celebration on November 30th. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. A special thank you to Athens-based band Miss Nomer for letting us use their song, Justice Part 1, as our theme song. To hear more of their music, check out the website misnomersound.com. For more information about UGA School of Public and International Affairs, check out our website or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to catch all the episodes in our fall podcast series. You can find them on our website, svia.uga.edu, as well as on SoundCloud, iTunes, CastBox, and Google Play.